You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. We're getting ready to, I don't know when, do you know when exactly you guys are going to release that children's page? Okay, so hopefully sometime next week we'll have our children's page released on our website with video sources, curriculum, crafts kit that parents can download from our children's minister, not from outside sources that we're buying the stuff, but from this house, created within this house. So it'll be teaching that we'll find consistent within here um, that will just be awesome. So really excited about that. Um, but this, this evening... Uh, I wanted to continue our conversation, and, and it'll take a, a few different turns. The Lord has, I said this Sunday, the Lord has been speaking so much to me that I can't really just pick one thing that we need to talk about, because he's speaking about so many things, and it's really interesting how he's bringing those things together and connecting the dot within these things that I received separately, so I didn't believe that they were related, and he's bringing these things to a related place. And, um, and one of those things that he's, he's revealed, and I won't share it, I, I had a meeting with Shorty, and I wouldn't even share it with him, but our children's minister is actually going to be teaching on Sunday from the pulpit uh, a revelation that she had that she thought it was just casual because it's just her conversation with the Lord, but it blew me away. I couldn't stop thinking about it. I've not been able to stop thinking about it. It has been so profound for me. Um, and this was in the beginning of a meeting with our women's ministry team. And I, I don't know what happened the rest of that meeting. I, I really wasn't present. I was thinking about the one thing that she said at the very beginning. She's going to be teaching on that this Sunday. Um, but the Lord is just revealing in such a quick and, and fast and, and just wonderful way on things that he's doing. You can feel the urgency that he's had all along this season. It's just it's not slowing down. It's getting faster, the urgency that he has. But we talked on Sunday, just mentioned this, and it didn't have anything really to do with the sermon, but this question of, is he the man of the hour every hour? And that he, is, he has really put this call on us to display that truth, that he is the man of the hour in our lives every hour. And we, we talked about that a little bit Sunday um, and how that came across to me, uh, and I, I, again, I briefly mentioned this. So I was looking and watching these live worship videos, and because that's, I don't, I don't listen to Christian radio, um, not because it's bad. I just, I would rather listen to a live worship set. I'd rather listen to um, an actual congregation engaging in worship. I just like live, authentic worship. Um, and in uh, listening to that and in seeing all these people and, and being a part of that myself uh, as a drummer growing up, I, uh, I was just looking at this and seeing all these people worship and having been a part of these worship services myself, either a participant or, or a worship leader in it, and wondering after these powerful, powerful encounters with the Lord, what happens after we all go home? And I could only really accurately answer one story, and that was my own. And the answer was not impressive. 
It was, man, what a powerful hour. What a powerful time of worship. But nothing ever came from that substantial for me personally. It was, it was this, this Christian high that we would ride these highs and lows, these high moments and then these low valleys, these high moments and these low valleys. And um, one of my mentors who used to be the youth pastor out here, Kendall McDonald, told me if, that, if that's what your Christian life looks like, you're, you've missed it. Because like, we're made for an ever-increasing glory. We're not made for an increasing glory that fades and then comes back and then fades and then comes back and then fades. Um, we're not made for a, a relationship with the Lord dictated by our emotions uh, based on circumstances that surround us. Because uh, we see that uh, there's a tendency that when life is really hard, like, man, where is the Lord? Why or why me? And I love that Randy has taught us not to give so much credit to the enemy so quickly. Don't let that be your first thing. If life gets hard, oh, well, the enemy's just attacking me. It's like, no, that you're just living life like everybody else and there are hard times in it. That doesn't mean the enemy is attacking you personally. You're given him power where he really didn't do anything, giving him credit for something he hasn't done. But in that moment, you're giving him power and authority over your life. Um, and I, I love that. But what is happening after these, these services? What is happening when people, the children of God, gather on a Sunday across the nation? What is happening on Monday? Because if the, the people of God are encountering God together in a profound and real way, encountering the Holy Spirit, then Monday should look like a very different world. Because of what has been released and encountered here, and then what we live outside, right? But coming back to that question, is he the man of the hour? Every hour. Um, and then also had this conversation last Sunday. Uh, we're evolving around this question just in, just in the worship practice. Jay was mentioning how he's been reflecting on that tattoo that's on Christ's leg when he comes back, that, that his name that only he knows. And it's just a, and that's really kind of profound. It's, he, he's the only one that knows it, that name. And Jay just, what is that name? And recognizing that this is the God that we serve, just the, the magnitude of the God that we serve. And he's talking about how to, what he was wrestling with is how can I write a song about that? About the, the majesty and magnitude of God that has nothing to do with me. And he started to express this, how he gets exhausted looking through worship songs because the, so many of them have so much to do with us and the Lord. And not just the, the Lord himself, but so much of it has, has to do with us and where we were, what we were in. And what the Lord had shown me and had showed Jay as well is that so many of those songs are sung in, in church and uh, and written because in that moment, when, when I sing those praises to God about my relationship with him and all that stuff in that place, then what we do in our mind is we make this check of, of I've exalted God in a powerful way in this place of worship. So now I don't have to do it the rest of the hours throughout my week because I did it over here. I sang praises to God here, so now I don't have to live praises unto him. I don't have to live a life of worship outside of here because I, I, I did it over here. And I sang 
really loud, and I even raised my hands as I sung about where I was and what the Lord brought me into. Uh, so we get to live it for a moment. We don't live it for, a, for every moment. So go ahead and turn to 1 Samuel 15. That's where we'll start. We'll, be, we'll have three passages that we read uh, today. We'll be in 1 Samuel 15. We'll be in Exodus 34. And then we'll be in 2 Corinthians 3. Now this is a common passage that we've read before in 1 Samuel 15, verse 17. And Samuel said, though you are little in your own eyes, you are not the head of the tribe, are you not the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel. He's, this is Samuel talking to Saul. And the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go devout to destruction the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you pounce on the spoil and do what was evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone on a mission on which the Lord sent me. I have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and I have devoted, uh, devoted the Amalekites to destruction. But the people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the best of the things devoted to destruction, to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination, and presumption is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also rejected you from being king. The Lord desires obedience over sacrifice. I I was having this conversation with Jay um, this week. And and he said, when we we come and we exalt him for, for this moment of church and not throughout the rest of the week, but we come and we give him this, this hour of praise and then we leave living our life the way we see fit. What we're doing is we're actually, we're participating in the things of the spirit without the spirit. And when we participate in the things of God without God, the way Jay put it is we're actually putting a spell over ourselves. Uh, this, this emotional spell, right? Um, if you've worked in, I, I've worked in youth. I was a youth at one point in time and I grew up in church. You did not go to Christian camp over the summer and not cry. There was the night. You knew it was the last night and it was going to be an ugly cry fest because it was just going to be this emotional response and hundreds of kids were going to get saved. They're going to sign their name on their little card. They were going to put on their purity ring and they were going to go home for two weeks and that was it. There wasn't going to be anything that added up from there. I can't tell you how many times as a youth I was saved over and over. Um, and a lot of s- stories like that, but we, we exalted him for a moment. We, we did what we thought is, is necessary without the Spirit's, uh, Spirit's utterance or walking in obedience. We did the things of the Spirit without the Spirit, what we thought looked the most like God in a moment without God, 
And in that place, you just put an emotional spell because it just becomes, God, praising God becomes an emotional response. So you can talk to people and it's just, hey man, you weren't singing very much today. And it's because emotionally they came in, they were already dealing with stuff and they just didn't really feel like it. But so much of their relationship with the Lord is driven by how they feel in a moment because it's driven by emotions. And that's, that's when we live a life uh, trying to live like the spirit without the spirit. So we try to feel the things of God without God in our lives. And, and that is idol worship. We are to live a life of worship unto God, period. Not live a lifestyle of worship. Because I can change my lifestyle. Lifestyle is always changing. Depending on the season. My lifestyle changes between summer and winter. We cannot live a lifestyle with God. Because there can be no variance or shifting. There cannot be any tossing like the waves because of the wind. It has to be steadfast and consistent because that's who God is. So there is a life of worship, not a lifestyle of worship. We see a lot of lifestyle of worship. And now... I said Sunday, there's just no way for me to not bring words of action anymore because we live in a time where the Lord has called us to action. But in that also, we have to make sure we know not only what we're being called to action against, but recognize that if we're called to action, where does it have to start? It has to start here. It has to be in here. Randy said that two weeks ago. If we want kindness to be the sword that divides out there, it first does dividing in here. We will see those who will live and be those vessels of kindness to God and, and live their life for the spirit and what he's called us into. And we will see those that will not. But that will start in here. And that's kind of a scary thought to, to put that so close to home that there will be those that gather in this house that will fall on the wrong side of that sword. That's scary. And the other thing to recognize is there will be those in this place that will still come simply because of the routine of a Sunday morning. And they will sing because it's what you're expected to do. They will praise because it's what you do on a Sunday. They'll listen and they'll go home. But after that hour, there is no evidence of the Lord in the rest of their story. They gave him one for the rest of the week. That cannot be found here. I don't want it to be found here. So there has to be these moments where we recognize and check ourselves to make sure this stuff is not found in us. Go ahead now and turn to Exodus 34. This is, this is when Moses uh, gets the Ten Commandments and comes down uh, from the mountain. And this is a side note. Again, has nothing to do. Well, it does. It has a lot to do with what we're talking about. Uh, but it's just a little side a little golden nugget. Do you know, does anyone know without looking at it, how long Moses was up there? Forty days and forty nights. He fasted up there for forty days and forty nights. Do you know of anybody else, anywhere else in scripture, that fasted for forty days and forty nights? That's a big one. Do we know what the Old Testament, what the, what the Ten Commandments was? It was the Old Covenant. The law of Moses that would 
that would guide God's people in, in the old covenant. And do we know what Jesus came to bring? The new covenant. Powerful connection there that I had not seen. I, I was reading it today. It's like, oh, whoa. Somebody else I know fasted for 40 days and 40 nights at a very big moment before ministry began. Before the law began to rule, there was a fast for 40 days and 40 nights. And it's important to see the connections. And, and Paul does a great job in 2 Corinthians, and we'll be there in a second, of, of making those connections. And we'll be in a verse that we've read often in 2 Corinthians 3.18, but right now we're in Exodus 34, verse 27. Then the Lord said to Moses, write these words, for in accordance with these words, I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. So he was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. He neither ate bread nor drank water. And he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. When Moses came down from the Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses and behold, the skin of his face shone and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them and Aaron and all the leaders of the congregation returned to him and Moses talked with them. Afterward, all the people of Israel came near and he commanded them all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. He put a veil over his face. Whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would remove the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the people of Israel what he was commanded, the people of Israel would see the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face was shining, and Moses would put the veil over his face again until he went in to speak with God. Now turn over to 2 Corinthians. We'll be in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And <clears throat> we'll start in verse 5. Not that we were sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of the new covenant not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Now if the ministry of death, carved in letters on stone, came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. Indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all because of the glory that surpasses it. For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. Since we have such hope, we are very bold, not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might, might not gaze 
at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened, for to this day, when they, read, when they read the old covenant, that same veil remains unlifted, because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Pro- profound recognition of what was to what we get to live in now. And it is time, and what, what brought this word was... Uh, what brought this lesson was, was this word that it is time for the people of God to shine with glory of an ever-increasing measure. Now, we've talked about this before. We've, we've talked about the, the Lord bringing us to these walls, to these moments of elevation that we would rise from one degree of glory to the next. And the thing that the Lord has been pointing out, even now with everything that we see going on uh, just in, in our world and how it is now beginning to affect the church and leaders of the church, the world around us has seen a lot of fading glory. The world around us has seen a lot of people that have come in to engage in things of the spirit without the spirit and then leave and still have no spirit, still not have the evidence of God on them, but have this just fading effect, right? It was, it was funny to me how how measured it was leaving these mission trips, leaving these, these youth camps, the, the, this Christian high that they would talk about. And I'm telling you, everyone would talk about it and it was two weeks. I mean, it was like calculated to a T. Two weeks, you were gonna have this version of a person. And after those two weeks, man, it was back to the way they were before they left. It was just this fading, it was just this ticking time bomb of when what emotionally they responded to because they engaged in something like the spirit, absent the spirit. And so emotionally it can only sustain for so long and then it would fade. And it was just this two week uh, timeline. Ask anybody that's ever been in any kind of youth ministry at all. you'll, You'll get the same answer. It's about two weeks. This fading glory, but that cannot be found of the people in this house. Cannot be. We cannot be those that would make him the man of the hour for one hour. We cannot be those that would come to engage absent the spirit just simply to check the box that I did the church thing. There is too much happening right now. I'm telling you there is, in talking with my ministers, we don't have enough Sundays with the staff here at this church, we don't have enough Sundays because they need to speak to you all. But it's like, we're running out of time. We don't have enough Sundays for me to be able to deliver what I need to deliver and you be able to deliver what you need to deliver. Like there's just not, sometimes we're just, like we had with Jay and myself a, a few months ago when we just didn't worship, we just got two sermons. There's a few more of those coming. 
Because the Lord is speaking too much to this house. He is speaking a lot. And he's speaking a lot to the ministers of this house. But one of the things that he is saying to us so clearly and calling us into, and he said this before, but he is, he is reminding us and continuing to call us into with a, with a new and fresh outlook every time that it is time we all live with unveiled faces. Why was Moses living with a veil over his face? It was for those around him. They would not be affected by what they were seeing. And this was a fading glory. Paul says this was a fading glory. This was a letter, a written letter meant to sustain them and guide them until the coming of Christ. Now, God knew what he was doing and knew when he would release, but they had to have this law first that there would be an understanding that no one measures up. No one is innocent. No one has the ability to maintain what is required to enter back into relationship with God as Adam had in the beginning. Only Jesus, the perfect son, could do that. Now we know that, but it says there in verse six, again, for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. And in verse nine, the ministry of condemnation is what he calls it versus the ministry of righteousness and how it must far exceed glory. Now this was a fading glory and the people around him could not see, could not look at his face. It shone so bright. So he had to wear this veil for their sake. And now Paul is saying this and the Lord is saying it to us again, that we must live with an unveiled face. And this is the awesome part is that we're not living in a glory that's fading. We're living in a glory that's ever increasing every single day. Our Christian walk is not meant to look like this. It's meant to look like this, just a straight climb. Every day increasing more and more in the glory of the Lord that not only we encounter, but that shines through us as vessels for his spirit. That's what we've been called to do and called to be, that we would be that, this ever increasing glory. And the Lord doing that, imagine now, again, a fading glory that people couldn't bear to look at because it was so bright. Now imagine all of us, and this was one man, to an entirety of people. Now imagine all of us living in this ever increasing glory with no veil. No veil. Because we don't come just on a Sunday to encounter that glory. We've been encountering it and increasing in it all week. And we'll get to shine in here. I remember uh, R.D. Motherall, some of you know him. He, uh, him and his family attend here. He had a vision several years ago of there not being a roof on this place. And everybody's face was burned, sunburned. Because the, the, the glory that was shining in this place was so bright. The beautiful thing about that is the continuation of that vision is that it's not just in here, but we all with this glory shining and unveiled faces, it's what happens when we all living that way, God being the man of the hour, every hour of our lives, what happens when we gather? We have made so small the gathering of the people of God. It is not a routine it is meant to be a world-altering occasion when the people of God gather. Because 
we're changing the world. If you believe all that this book says about you, then you existing changes the world around you. Now imagine when we all come together and we just happen to be able to be blessed and exist in the same room. To be trapped together in the same four walls. What those gatherings look like when every one of us is living with an unveiled face. Living a life increasing in glory each moment. But we cannot continue to submit to the routine of a fading glory. That cannot be us. This is, and this is just simply a reminder to myself and to the people of this house that the Lord has had for us. Uh, and I didn't understand why until I heard Melissa Stevens speak and speak about what she'll be teaching on this Sunday. Because he has new and profound revelation in store. And there need to be a people that desire an ever-increasing glory ready to receive it. Because he has world-changing revelation in store for this house. More world-changing revelation in store for this house. But we've got to be able to receive it and ready to receive it. And I'm telling you, the word that she has for us Sunday will not be received if he's just simply the man of that hour. He must, he must be the man of every hour and it must find a people of an ever-increasing glory with unveiled faces because we will not receive the fullness of it if there is a veil. Does that make sense? Man, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about what he's doing but I also like, like to take a moment when he brings reminders. And this is important to recognize the trend that he has. He always brings a reminder before he releases something new. He's been doing that since March. Even, even in Randy's uh, transitioning out, in his last few teachings, it, it followed the same trend that has continued to exist uh, up till this Sunday, that there would be a reminder, a small adjustment in making sure, hey, don't forget this is the truth that you need to be in. And then once we found ourselves there in that week, the next week was a revelation of something new and a calling and a releasing and a new anointing that he had for us. But first, that had to be put in place and checked in and dialed in correctly in the people of God before they could receive what was next. That trend has continued and continued and continued and continues again. Uh, and we just happened to have it. I didn't know Melissa was teaching until yesterday at about 9.30. I didn't know she was going to be teaching on Sunday. Um, but now I, I could very clearly understand why he had this adjusting message and why he had this specific adjusting message for the people I knew were likely to be here on Wednesday. It's, and Randy knew this and said this well in his time here, that this crowd, the Wednesday night, the Sunday night crowd that he had was a very different group. It was a group that he could give a little bit more challenging things to chew on. And that's not changed. The Lord has not presented us something that's easy 
but is meat that needs to be chewed on by this group for what he has next that he desires this group to lead the congregation in. And those that are listening online, what, what he desires for us to enter into and to lead those around us in is important. But again, in verse six of Second Corinthians, we need to see that the routine kills. Routine will kill. But living life With the Spirit, in step with the Spirit, gives life. Our life, living in step with Him, by Him, will give life to those around us. But I just can't wait to see what it looks like when a full group of people exists with completely unveiled faces. What does the world around them look like? Because this is the other really great revelation that the Lord has shown me Uh, Going back to Genesis 1, 3, when he said, let there be light, God is a spiritual being. And he's taught us this. He taught us this about a month ago. He's a spiritual being. So anything he does, he does in spirit first. And then we see a natural manifestation. But God works in spirit first. So when he said, let there be light, what was he doing? Who's the light of the world? So what did he release onto the earth? And then the natural manifestation was daylight. He didn't, he didn't release ambience and, and light and, and light rays. He released himself. He released the son of God on the earth. And then there became physical light. So when he speaks, there is always... He speaks to the spirit first and there's a natural manifestation. So what is the natural manifestation of a spiritual people living with an unveiled face? Made for an ever increasing glory. What does that look like in the natural? That's what, that's what I'm entertaining now. And that's one of those things you only get to experience when you get to see it. Can't read anything about it. You just get to encounter it. But it looks like revival. Any, anything that's come close, it looks, like, it looks like revival. It looks like the spirit getting a hold of a lot of people. So, any questions? Well, Lord, we just thank you for this evening. We thank you for your words. We thank you for constantly pursuing us to make sure that we are where we need to be for what you have next for us. We thank you that we are always in process and you are always so good to pursue us in that process, so patient and kind and and guiding and directing us into what you have for us. Uh, So Lord, we just, we thank you for all that you're doing. We thank you for all that you're building, all that you're creating in Jesus name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.